Wonderful. Well, let's open in, in prayer. Father God, oh, I love how you are just so engaged in our lives. You know us all so intimately and you care about us so personally. Lord, this isn't a room full of people to you. It's a room full of each one. You see each one, Lord, and, and you have such a heart and desire for each one. And Lord, I, I pray today that we would hear from you, that your heart would be revealed, that God, you would begin to speak through me, but Lord, not just what I'm saying, but that each individual would hear what they need to hear from you today, Lord. And Father, I thank you for bringing us as a congregation into greater unity, into greater um, understanding of who you are and who we are in you. And that, Father, there would be, even this very day, another level we would go to in you and in the realms of the Spirit again, Father. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Yes, the year of more and greater. Um, I also have been having this on my heart now for maybe a couple of months, leading into 2024. Um, the 2024 is the year of the open door. And there really is um, something powerful about to open up to each and every one of you. It is the year of the open door, but we're going to have a look at all of this through Scripture. And I believe that the Lord is going to really highlight some things for us today. This is a now word. This is a word straight hot off the press. Um, I've been meditating on the year of the open door for, like I said, a couple of months. But what God showed me this morning literally was hot off the press at 5 a.m. this morning. So um, it's going to be great. Can you turn to Revelation chapter 3 for me, please? Get ready to use your Bibles today. We've got a little bit of back and forth to do. Um, Revelation chapter 3. Now this is one of the letters that Jesus wrote through the Apostle John uh, to the churches, one of the seven famous letters to the churches in Revelation. And this one, I really believe God was saying to me today, um, this is the, the one for our church, um, that we're going to dig into this and really hear the word of the Lord for us. Um, Revelation 3, I'm going to start in verse 7. It's titled The Faithful Church, but it's so much more than that. Um, it starts off like this, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write. But I want to explain in the Greek, the word Philadelphia means brotherly love. So this is a church that has one amazing characteristic that they love each other like a family. And um, I can look around this room and I really believe that. I know we're all still a work in progress, so um, if you find a perfect person, um, let me know because there's a good chance they don't have a pulse anymore. Um, <laughs> all right, and we need to pray for them because I haven't met a perfect person yet this side of eternity. But I do know one thing, that you all are my family, and I love you, and I need you. Every single one of you is needed in the body of Christ. Um, we've all had times where we've injured a small part of our body, like a finger or even a fingernail. Has anyone ever bent a fingernail back? How painful is that? 
But we realize with our own bodies just how important each member of our body is when there's one part of it that's not functioning right. And you may think, hey, what, what purpose do I have just to come here on a Sunday morning? But I can tell you when the body is together, we begin to function properly. And, and really, this is just a small, small part of what we are called to do all throughout the week. We are supposed to be a body of believers that are changing our worlds for Jesus. And each one of you has a part to contribute. All right. So the angel of the Church of Philadelphia of brotherly love. Right. These things is he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name i'm just going to leave it there today i would love to unpack this entire letter to this church and the lord willing we make it to that um some point over the next few weeks but right now i'm just going to leave it there because there's so much i feel he wants to say to us just through these first few verses all right, Jesus introduces himself to this church of brotherly love. And he says, I am he who is holy. How many of you have felt a call to really begin to separate unto God even further? Have you felt like God is drawing you away from the things of this world? I know um, he has been calling me. And, and maybe even if you want to show me your hands, you can't. But who's had a call to sort of simplify and declutter? Has anyone else been on that kind of a mission? Yeah. And I feel like what God is saying is this is the year for us to be holy. Holy means to be separated or consecrated unto a specific purpose. And I believe God is saying it's time for us as a church to be completely and 100% all in for Jesus to be separated from those things of the world that once held our affection, but now he's saying, I want you to let them go. I want to be your sole affection. You know that last song we sang this morning? It really gets me. I find it so hard to sing because I get like this big lump here and I just want to cry, but you can't hit notes really well when you do that. So anyway, um, but you know, move me close to where you are. Tell me secrets of your heart. I really believe God is wanting to draw us away, separate us from the things of this world so that he can really begin to share his heart with us. We may have had a good father in this life. We may not have had a good father, but our good heavenly father wants to engage us. Um, I don't like secrets. I just always, I want to know. And, and I don't like surprises. I want to know as well. And um, But I love it that we have a Heavenly Father that says, you can come close to me and I'm happy to tell you things that you don't know. I'm happy to let you in the loop, keep you in the know. He's drawing us in. I want you to be holy. That is not a condemnation. It's an invitation. Come closer. Leave all these things that are inferior and come to the one who is superior above all. I am he who is holy, he who is true. Now this one, I have a challenge for us. I don't know if 
you've noticed how um, the news has gone over the last few years, but um, how many of you have kind of made a conscious decision that you don't watch the six o'clock or five o'clock or seven o'clock news anymore? Yeah? Um, is it because you just miss that feeling of encouragement you get from it? Or... <laughs> you know, last time I checked, the news was designed in such a way to breed fear into your life. And God is not calling us to be a people of fear. Now, you could look at the news and you could say, oh, well, what they're saying is true. And it depends on whose perspective, really, that you could get the word truth. I think as far as secular media goes, we'd have to use the word truth very loosely. But there is one truth that I believe the church needs to focus on and that we need to have filling our minds and our hearts. And that truth is Jesus and his word. His word is 100% true. So if we want to know the reality, let's not turn on our TVs. Let's open our Bibles and the truth will speak to us what we need to know for the season that we're in. Jesus said, I am truth. Also, you know, Philippians 4 tells us, Finally, my brethren, whatever things are, and you may not feel free to say along with me, whatever things are good, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are true, whatever things are lovely and of a good report, think and meditate and dwell on these things. So I believe if we're going to be effective for the kingdom of God, we've got to learn how to meditate on the truth. Because even though it's good to be informed of what's happening in the world, if all of our attention is on what Satan is doing in the world, we are not going to have the power to change the world. We have to have our attention on that truth, the one who is true. When our attention is on Jesus, it, it enables us to look at a situation differently. We can look at a situation and instead of thinking that is so bad, we can say, by the power of my God, that is changing today. Do you know, in this room sits an entire congregation of world changers. You have the power of God within you, and he wants to use you. Sorry, I can't see you through the, through the dots in there, so I'm going to read that there. <laughs> cool. He wants to use you, um, every one of you, powerfully in his kingdom purpose. So let's be separate and holy. Let's focus on him and his truth from his word. Then he says this, he who has the key of David. How many of you understand what the key of David is? I know I didn't. I've looked at this scripture on and off for years and I've looked at its parallel scripture and, and gone, ah, you know, one passage like that. You have ones like that where you go, yeah, I'm still not getting that. <laughs> well, that was kind of this. I mean, some of it, he goes on to explain. Um, I have the key of David, and I'm he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. And so I kind of feel like this key of David is crucial for opening doors that need to be opened and shutting doors that need to be shut. But that was about as far as I could get with it. But this morning, the download of heaven came to me. So turn to Isaiah 22, and um, we're going to have a look where this reference comes from. Jesus is referring to a, a portion of Scripture 
that he is referencing himself. And yet when we read it in Isaiah 22, it's actually not talking about Jesus. And yet Jesus reveals that it actually was. It was like a dual thing. So Isaiah, where am I? Here. Isaiah 22, I actually want to start in verse 15, and I'm just going to um, quickly go through some of this stuff. So, Isaiah 22, who's already found it? Are you there? Let me know if you're there. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Isaiah 22, we're going to start in verse 15. It says, The judgment on Shebna. How many of you have studied Shebna in the Bible? Until this morning, I could say, honestly, I didn't know he existed. Um, all right. Thus says the Lord God of hosts. Wow. This proclamation is preceded by God reminding everybody he's the God of angel armies. That's what the Lord of hosts means. Go proceed to this steward, to Shebna, who is over the house, and say, What have you here, and whom have you here, that you have hewn a sculpture here? And he who hews himself a sculpture on high, who carves a tomb for himself in the rock. When I read this in the Amplified, it said he literally carved out a magnificent burial tomb for himself amongst the great. So, you know, you can imagine the kings, King David and King Solomon, and they're all in this, this amazing uh, tomb, you know, gravesite. Uh, and this, this Shebna decides he wants to be buried with the great, and he's obsessed with building himself a very impressive tomb. I would say he has the wrong focus. Uh, he's looking at... at preserving himself in death rather than what he can accomplish in life. Anyway, verse 17 says, Indeed, the Lord will throw you away violently, O mighty man, and you and will surely seize you. He will surely turn violently and toss you like a ball into a large country. There you shall die, and your glorious chariots shall be the shame of your master's house. So I will drive you out of your office and from your position he will pull you down. So he's literally uprooting someone from office and taking them down. Now, before I go any further, we will get to the key of David. It's just a couple of verses down. But I, I want to just skip somewhere. We will, we will build a case and then come back to this. But I really feel this is the way I need to do it. So turn to Haggai which is a little bit beyond Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and the big ones. You're going to the Minor Prophets. It only has two chapters, so go to Haggai for me, chapter 2. And um, this is a scripture that I have been looking at since about, um, oh, at easily 2017, probably 2015, um, I would say. Uh, so um, I've been looking at this. I had a very um, marked God encounter from these scriptures. Um, and I've been waiting for them to be fulfilled 
for many years. Every year I look at these Haggai prophecies and I ask the Lord if this is the year they're going to be fulfilled. Um, how he led me to them, I was home one day, Tim was just a baby, he was asleep, um, and a little tyke, and um, I had a few moments alone. Now, who as parents can really appreciate a few moments alone? It's, 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 it's nice sometimes. But um, I had, I was just sitting on the couch and I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, grab your Bible, I want to tell you something. So I got my Bible and I'm like, what do you want to tell me? And he led me to Haggai. And I'm like, wow, that's a book I haven't read in a while. And, um, and I was reading through Haggai and I got to chapter two and verse one. In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. And you know, I couldn't move past there. I, I get very curious when I read the Bible. Does anyone else feel like that? You're, you're really curious and thinking, why, why is, what is that in there? Well, that was what happened. I was very curious. And I thought, I wonder what is special about the seventh month and the 21st day of that month. And I remember that God always spoke to these ones in the Hebrew calendar. And so um, I sort of thought, oh, I'm going to have a look at that. And then I found out that that date, he could have said, on the first day of Feast of Tabernacles. Because that's when that falls, seventh month, 21st day of the month, Feast of Tabernacles. So this, this prophecy came at a specific time. But, you know, there's this thing called a Hebcal, and it changes the Hebrew calendar, like it shows you what that is on the Gregorian calendar. So you can go in any time and, and put today's date, and it will tell you, uh, in the Hebrew calendar, it will tell you what it is on our Gregorian calendar. So just out of curiosity, I did that, and I was absolutely stated that the seventh month, the 21st day of the month on the Hebrew calendar was the exact day on the Gregorian calendar that I was reading the scripture. And um, I had tingles go all over me and I knew God was really trying to tell me something, but this day was the exact day when I translated it into our calendar. And then as I was reading what he says is gonna happen on that day, this massive storm built up outside and you know when the, the storm's like raging and the lights start flickering and go out for a bit and come back on? I mean, I was like, God, you got my attention. It was all very dramatic. It was very exciting. But here's what I want you to have a look at with me. So um, chapter 2, we're going to go down to verse 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, in brackets, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come up to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. So I've been looking for a day when during the Feast of Tabernacles, this prophecy would be fulfilled, that he would begin to shake heaven and earth, there would be a shaking of the nations, and people would begin to focus on Israel and Jerusalem, the desirable nations. 
and that God would begin to do something. Well, do you know on October 7th, the very last day of Feast of Tabernacles this year, a war broke out in Israel, between Israel and Hamas. And I was like, oh my goodness, is this the year that the great shaking begins? Because it was on the very last day of that feast, exactly as Haggai predicted it would be and prophesied it would be, that there would come a great shaking. But he continues to prophesy, um, Haggai, if we keep going in chapter 2, but now we're going to jump down to um, verse uh, 21. And again, this was a specific date when I looked up this date. This was on Hanukkah, which has just passed. Um, and Hanukkah is another Feast of Tabernacles celebration for those who missed the first one. And so... Um, Here's another prophecy. He says, speak to Zerubbabel, I'm in verse 21, governor of Judea saying, I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. The horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. So there's another prophecy of a great shaking and an overthrowing of thrones of kingdoms and strengths the strength of Gentile kingdoms. So I've been looking for a time when we'll begin to see worldwide a displacement of current ruling authorities. When we will begin to see an upheaval in political uh, leaders coming and going and resigning suddenly. And we're beginning to see some of these things happen. Now, if we go back to Isaiah 22, He's specifically talking about this person that he is going to pull down and take away his position. So if we just jump back to Isaiah 22, I'm going to just show you something here, and then we're going to get to the key of David. So Isaiah 22, so All right. Um, so I just want to go over a little bit of what we just read in uh, verse... 19, God says, so I will drive you out of your office and from your position, he will pull you down. So there is a great shifting coming in office. I really believe that in 2024, we're going to see shifting political parties, political leaders all around the world. But what is the purpose of it and why is God shifting them? Well, let me tell you what the name Shevna, who he's speaking to here, what that name means in Hebrew. Shevna means who rests himself, so he rests himself. But then it also means who is now captive. So there is a divine reversal, the one who felt at ease, like he was in control and he had, had his um, you know, plans being all outworked the way he wanted them to be. This person who put himself in position of power but was not placed there by God and was not doing what God had instructed him to do. He rests himself, but now he is captive. And I believe that 2024 is the year that we're going to see the Shevnas come down, the ones who've been putting and exalting themselves against God in our lives and in our nations, they're going to be coming down and they are going to be brought captive. Now that reminds me, many of you know this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where it tells us um, 
verse 4 to 6, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're what? Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, I believe that this year, 2024, is a year for many, many strongholds to come down. God wants to take down our strongholds, our shepherds, those who have exalted themselves against the knowledge of God, who've put themselves, and, and when I say they, I'm talking about evil spirits, demonic influences that have come into our lives and built strongholds in our thinking, in our actions, in the way we do things. God wants to bring these strongholds down. But in, in 2 Corinthians 10, you can go there really quickly if you want to. Um, I want to read verse uh, 5 and 6. Let me see if I can have you there. Colossians. Okay. So it says, verse 5. Let me find it. Okay. Uh, for pulling down strongholds, casting down. Now remember, this is what the Lord said to Shephna. I'm going to cast you down. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. He is asking us to rise up this year and begin to seriously take obedience to Christ as our number one priority. And one of the ways we do that is we bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So those areas that have once been a stronghold in our minds and in our lives, areas of perhaps repetitive sin or addiction or um, condemnation, areas of guilt or shame, areas of pain, he wants us to get those strongholds and we're literally bringing them captive and now forcing them into obedience to Christ. And that is what he is calling us to do. So that the one that rests himself and says, I've got this wonderful stronghold in their life and I'm never moving, he is displaced and he is now captive and serving us. That is what God wants to do with the Shevnas um, right now in 2024, I believe. Now, we're going to look, what was the answer for Shevna? He was displaced, he was taken off of the throne and um, out of the, the, the kingdom influence. And God raises up another one in his place. So back in Isaiah 22, and we're going to read what happens after this. So verse 20, it says, Then it shall be in that day. I want to say to you that today is that day. Then it shall be to you in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. He will clothe, uh, sorry, I will clothe you with your robe and strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judea. The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder, so he shall open and no one shall shut, and he shall shut and no one shall open. I will fasten him as a peg in a secure place, and he will become a glorious throne to his father's house. They will hang on him all the glory of his father's house, 
the offspring and the posterity, all vessels of small quality from the cups to all the pitchers. And I'm just going to leave it there. What a prophecy that there would, he was calling for his servant Eliakim to come and take his place. Well, do you know what Eliakim means in the Hebrew? It means God will establish, God sets up, and God rises. And I am telling you this morning that God is calling us as a church to become Eliakims in 2024. That God will establish you, he will set you up, and he will raise you up to his plan and purpose and his power. <clears throat> He said, I will clothe him with your robe and I will strengthen him with your belt and I will commit your responsibility into his hand and he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. As I was going through this, I got a picture of the prodigal son. What happened to him when he came home? He was given a robe. Here, this person, Eliakim, is given a robe. He was given a belt here and... He said, I will commit responsibility into his hand. And that's what happened with the prodigal son. He was given the ring of authority. Responsibility was given to him. But look at the purpose of it. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I believe 2024, God is wanting us to enter into more of the heart of God. More of what moves him. That what moves him is what moves us. That what he desires is what we desire. That what he dreams about is what we dream about. That we enter into a close relationship with our king. And so he is saying, I want you to be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. There is a call for the father heart to be resurrected in the church. That we not look at our own desires anymore, but we begin to focus on the Father heart of God. And what happens after that? Here is this key of David. 2020, sorry, 22, 22, that's the verse. And we're in 2024. If you add up 2024, just put those two numbers together, you get 44. And 22, 22 is 44 as well. I really believe this is for this year. The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder so that he shall open and no one shall shut, and he shall shut and no one will open. 2024 is the year of the open door. I'm going to begin to just quickly unpack for you. We're almost done. Um, what does that mean? First thing I believe is the Lord wants us to shut doors this year. Shut doors. And what I mean by that is it's time to once and for all shut the door to areas in our life that have been holding us back from serving the Lord with all our heart. So that may look different for each of us, but there's things that are in my life that I have said to my husband, I am not willing to go into 2024 with this in my life anymore. I will shut that door once and for all. You have probably all got some area of your life you can think of where you go, you know what, I'm not going to be timid anymore this year. 
I'm not going to allow the enemy to intimidate me and hold me back and stop me from doing what's in my heart to do for Jesus. This year, I am shutting the door on intimidation and I'm opening the door by invitation of Jesus into a deeper reality of the kingdom of God and the presence of God. It's time that we begin to shut doors. And I want to encourage you, even this very day, when you leave here, go home and begin to pray and ask the Lord, what areas of my life are destructive that I need to close the door on? What things has the enemy still got a, a foot in the door and, and he's still got a little way into my life and I need to shut that door in 2024? Because here's the good news. Jesus is appearing to the church in Philadelphia and he's saying to them, I have the key of David. And what he's saying is, I'm with you. If you just decide in your heart, I am shutting that door and I'm never opening it again. You know what? Some of you need to shut the door to unforgiveness and never actually bring it up again. I know it was hurtful. I know it was painful. But there are some situations that the longer you keep opening that door again and opening that door again and telling someone else about it again, it regurgitates it again and you go through the pain again. And I want to tell you 2024 is the year to shut the door and never open it again. It's past. So shut it, lock it, leave it. If you determine that in your heart, Jesus says, I'm the key of David. I shut and no man can open it. Nobody can drag that door open again. I have heard of people being so healed in, in even their memories that they can't even remember some of the awful things that happened to them anymore. It's like God just removed that from their life. We, we limit what he can do, but he is limitless. And he's calling us, I want you to shut the door. There's some things that you've got to just say, no more. I'm done with that lifestyle. I'm done with that mentality. I'm done with that thinking. I'm done with that behavior. I am saying no more in Jesus' name. And I'm telling you, Jesus is saying, I agree with you. Heaven is saying, amen. And when two or more agree, it is established. He has given us this year the key of David. We're going to shut and no man is going to open that again. And we're going to open and no man can shut. Now this is what excites me so much. When people say, that's impossible, it can't be done, that's when I get excited. I go, impossible. You're talking to the right person. My best friend, he has this unusual ability. When someone says the word impossible, he just goes right ahead and does it. So what is your impossibility? Because we have the key of David this year and Jesus himself said, I'm going to open for you a door and no man is going to be able to shut it. He's going to open some promotions for some of you that everybody in your workplace is going to say, how did you get that? But you have the key of David. And he's going to open for you doors that no man can shut. Because he wants to position you in places where he can bring life through you to the broken. That's always the 
purpose. The purpose is never about us. It's not about making us powerful. It's not about us getting all the things we ever dreamed we ever wanted. It's about us being positioned for the kingdom purposes of God. And I believe every single one of you are being called in 2024 to be laborers. Laborers. Do you know Jesus prayed a prayer? He told his disciples to pray a prayer. He said, I'm telling you, the harvest is white. The fields are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. So pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I want the prayer of Jesus to be answered in 2024, that we will be a church willing to put our hand up and say, I will be a laborer. I will lay aside my agenda. I will lay aside my goals and ambitions and dreams. And I will have one goal, one ambition, one dream. And that is whatever is on your heart is on my heart. So when you're walking down the street, you're looking at people and you're scanning the crowd and you're saying, Jesus, who do you want to heal today? Who do you want to give a word to today? Who do you want to share the light and the love of the, of the Savior with today? And you're looking and God will open up doors for you. Amazingly, I had that happen just last week. I was so excited. One of the clients I cleaned for on Thursday, I was um, cleaning your house. It's almost finished. I vacuumed and I was just putting the, the liquid into my mop bucket, about to do the, the mop and leave. And she said, oh, oh, I'm in so much pain. And she just got those words out. And I straight away knew I put my mop down because I knew kingdom of God is about to enter this lady's home. And I come around, she was sitting, sat down on the couch and I came around and I, I knelt down in front of her and I said, where are you in pain? She said, oh my legs, they're so swollen and literally they were, they were so full of fluid. You know you can poke your skin and there's a bit of give, but she was like in a highly inflated balloon. There was no give, none. I could only imagine the agony and the pounding and the pulsing and the pain in her legs. And, um, and I looked at her, I sensed the heart of the Father come over me. And church, this is not exclusive to me. I believe every one of you are meant to be used by God to bring his kingdom to the people who desperately need to meet him. And so I looked at her and the heart of God came over me and I instantly had a word of knowledge for her and I said to her, are you a thinker? Do you like think and chew over things? She said, yeah, I do. She said, look, if you think these legs are bad now, you should see them in the afternoon. I said, do you think more in the afternoon? She said, yeah, I do. I said, listen, sweetie, there's something you haven't been able to let go of, and it's your body showing me that you're holding in a lot of pain. And the moment I said that, her face just welled up and then she burst into tears and she began to just pour her heart out of deep grief that she'd gone through, people close to her that she'd lost, family members. And then I said to her, can I pray for you? She said, yeah. And I said, do you like hugs? And I know everyone does, you've got to ask. But she liked hugs. So she scrambled up off the couch, wrapped her arms around me. I wrapped my arms around her. And I was able to pray and pour the love of God over her to be healed, to be restored, for that deep grief to be able to be brought comfort to her. It was such a privilege and it just made me realize 
this is what we're called to do. God is going to give you open doors. There's people that need to hear Jesus, and they're going to be in places, and God is literally going to position you and put you right in front of them at the right moment, and he's going to open that door for you, and there isn't a demon in hell that can shut it until you do kingdom purpose. When he decides it's time to open a door, not even hell can prevail. Amen? Nothing can stop him. I think about Philip. He was called to Samaria, and he was given the key of David there. He went into Samaria and began to preach the gospel, and Philip had so much anointing and power of God, and that harvest was so ripe that the entire city came to know Jesus. It said there was great joy in that city. Can you imagine people in Stanfield looking at each other down the street and everyone's just smiling? Because, oh, Jesus, can you feel him? He's filled our streets. He's filled our homes. He's filled our atmosphere. Jesus wants to bring revival in 2024. And all he's looking for is people who will open up their door and say, here I am. Fill me. Change me. Use me. Send me. Whatever you want to do with me, let me be a vessel that can hold your glory. And I'm going to finish with that thought. With the key of David, it says in verse 29, I will fasten him as a peg secure in place. And I believe that God is going to position you and give you confidence in who he created you to be. And he will become a glorious throne for his father's house. Isaiah 60 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. He wants to fill you with his glory. I don't even think we've glimpsed what his glory is like yet. But those in the Bible who had encounters with him, they were never the same. And when his glory begins to fill a life, oh, you become contagious vessels pulsating the very glory of your God. Jesus said to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, that all these things would be done to be glorifying to our Father. We want to bring him glory. 2024 is the year of the open door. We have an opportunity to step into the more. There is greater. There is more. There is so much more. There is so much more in my heart, but I have no time to share with you this morning. But there are things that I believe he's called this church to do that we'll unpack in the coming months that far exceed anything my brain can actually comprehend. The things he's beginning to put in my spirit are that big. We may be a small town, but he doesn't want us to have a small town mentality. He wants us, wants us to have a big God mentality. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? I want to give an opportunity first. I want to pray over each of you. Because this is a year for you to step up. There are intercessors in this room. 
there are prophets in this room. There are people in this room with all manner of gifts from the Lord. And it's the year for you to step up and into your calling. But I just believe we need to deal with stuff first. There's some doors we need to shut. And the first one I want to sort of just put out on the table today. If you've never actually made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, Melody was talking about how she got to share with her friend about Jesus being her Lord and Savior. What does that even mean? It means if you recognize that you are a sinner, you have failed in your attempt to please a holy God. You have done things that you know separate you from Him. And that you need someone to save you because you know you're not worthy on your own to save yourself. But there is one one beautiful redeemer his name is jesus he came pure and spotless and holy god in the flesh to take our sin to take our penalty our punishment and if we would put our trust in him as our savior and make him our lord we would choose to follow him we can have our sins forgiven washed clean we can have entry into the family of God, entry into the throne room of God. We can call God our Father. We can have eternity with Him in heaven. We have so many beautiful promises, but it all starts with a yes. Say, Jesus, I'm going to bow my knee to you. I'm going to allow you to cleanse me of my sin, and I'm going to say yes for the rest of my life to following you. So can you just bow your head to this place? Just close your eyes for a moment. I just want to make this moment a little bit special, a little bit separate, a little bit holy. And if you're in this room or if you're watching me online right now and you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to bow your knee and say, yes, I choose to follow you. I choose to accept you as my Savior. I want you to raise your hand and acknowledge that today. And neither that is me. Put your hand up high where I can see it. If you're watching online, you feel free to do the same thing at home because he's here and he's there. He's everywhere. He's not restricted. And either that's me. Is any more hands in this room today? Thank you. I want to bow my knee to Jesus Christ and make him my Lord. Is there any more hands? I'm not going to rush this moment. And either that's me. Feel free, even if you didn't put your hand up, to say this prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you, it's Jesus, but it's just a simple attitude of your heart. Would you say these words after me? Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I bow my knee to you today. Please wash me clean of all my sin. Make me part of your family. I accept you as my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, the Bible says when just one lost sinner comes home, there is great rejoicing that breaks out in heaven. The angels go into party mode. There's whoops and tears and hollers and praises and hallelujahs heard echoing all throughout the chambers of heaven because one person decided, I'm going to accept Jesus. I tell you, that's worth a clap. Can we give the Lord a hand? I'm going to pray over you now. And if this applies to you, then you just receive it. 
But I want to pray over us that we can close some doors, that God would give us courage to face stuff that we've been avoiding, deal with things we need to deal with, and shut some doors for good, okay? So let's just close our eyes. I'm going to pray, and this prayer is equally as much for me as anyone else in the room, if not more. Heavenly Father, today, I pray for me, and I pray for these people. I pray for those watching this podcast later or even now live online. Father, many, many of us in this room, we know it's time to deal with our stuff, to let you in to the dark places that we've been just avoiding. And Lord, I just want to lead by example. I just want to say, I close the door to areas in my life that are not submitted to you, where I've tried to be the boss, where I've tried to be in control, where I've tried to make things happen my way, Lord, where I've used even maybe manipulation or, or intimidation or anything like that. God, I shut those doors right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray you give your people courage to face stuff with you, allow you into the hurtful areas of their life, that those doors can be shut for good, that no man, including ourselves, would ever open them again. And Father, I want to release your people into 2024, the year of the more, the year of the open door. Lord, I pray a fresh anointing and encounter with Jesus upon each and every one of them. Let them never be the same. Let this very day, the 14th of January, be a day that we mark in our diaries and say, that day I changed forever. Lord, that we would no longer carry our baggage and our stuff into the new year, but we would leave it at the foot of the cross, Lord. And Father, I just pray for a boldness, a supernatural boldness, that we may proclaim the gospel from one end of Standoff to the other, from the east and the west, the north and the south. Lord, that this revival would not just begin in our town, but begin in our hearts. God, awaken us to all that you have for us. Lord, light a fire that is unquenchable in our spirits. Let us be blazing for Jesus. Lord, I'm asking that what you begin in our hearts would go into our towns and our cities and into this nation and the nations of the world. God, that we would be laborers to bring in the end time harvest. Lord, let us lay aside our own agenda and 100% say, I am separating myself to God this year in 2024 in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray a blessing on your people. You would keep them and preserve them. You would watch over them. Lord, that you would lead them and guide them and provide for them. I speak supernatural provision over your people in 2024. Lord, amazing healings and miracles as we enter that open door in 2024 in Jesus' name. God's people say, Amen. Amen.